Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Hi, and welcome to this episode of AUKUS Amplified podcast. I'm Sean Patel, and I'm the chair of the Digital Health Committee. Today, I have with me my co-host, Dr. Russell Bodner from Sycamore, Illinois. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Great to be here. We're coming to you live from the AUKUS annual fall meeting where we're discussing some of the key highlight papers. And right now we have with us Dr. Marcus Ford from the Campbell Clinic in Tennessee. Congratulations on winning the AUKUS Clinical Research Award. I appreciate it. This award was given for your work titled Postoperative Oral Tranexamic Acid in Total Neuroarthroplasty, a Randomized Control Trial. Quite the tongue twister, huh? <laughs> so looking forward to hearing more about this work. And with that, I'll pass it to you. Dr. Bodner. So Marcus, congratulations. Thanks. It's great to see this award for a level one study. Tell us, how did you guys come up with the motivation for this work? To be honest, the idea for the study came about just because I had a patient in clinic that came in. I can't even remember what I was seeing her for, but I was looking at the medication list and one of her medications that she wrote down on her history was tranexamic acid. I I stopped for a second and I, I looked at her and I said, you're on tranexamic acid? And she goes, yeah. I was like, are you a hemophiliac? She goes, no. I like, what do you take that for? She goes, well, I take it for menorrhagia. I was like, really? And so I looked into it and talked to, I've got a partner whose wife is a gynecologist. And I said, is this like a thing? She's like, yeah, this is a thing now. We treat chronic, you know, heavy menorrhagia with tranexamic acid. It's like, how long do you give it to them? And they're like, yeah, usually they come in like 10-day packs. And it's like, really? So then I delved into it, and it was over kind of a fireside chat with a buddy of mine who's really good, my co-fellow from, from fellowship at Wash U, Mike Hellman. And he's the master at reading like esoteric literature that nobody else has heard of. And we're talking about this. I was like, you know that they're treating menorrhagia with TXA now. Like this stuff just, it's just the best thing ever. And he goes, oh yeah, there's all this, there's like this Asian center that keeps publishing all this TXA literature, but it gets buried in all these terrible journals. And it's like, really? And so I looked into it and what I presented, you know, today, there are really several studies out there that looked at 24 hours of extended TXA. And then, you know, that same Asian center out of China published 14 days. And they repeatedly showed, you know, better blood loss. And the Chinese center published on decreased inflammatory markers. But the, the thing, you know, to me was, for me, the holy grail in knee arthroplasty is how do we keep improving, you know, not only early outcomes, but just the speed of recovery and, and swelling control and all that. And so I said, but nobody's really looked at clinical outcomes. What's the relevance of this clinically? You know, and all the, the literature, at least in the U.S., has all been, well, you know, one versus two versus however many doses really maybe doesn't make a huge effect on blood loss. But again, nobody's really critically looked at, well, what, is there an outcome difference? And if there's really an anti-inflammatory effect, does this become like another multimodal tool, especially in our world of trying to get away from narcotics and that type of thing? And so we have a foundation that helps support research, and really TXA is pretty cheap. And we found a pharmacy, and apparently it's, you know, it was readily available in all the pharmacies. And so we went ahead, and the first step was getting it through the IRB, right? Because I'm like, God, there's no way they're going to do this because we're going to be giving TXA to all these people. And, and because of, again, the gynecologic use, they were on board with it, and we validated the safety through that. And then the pharmacies carried it, and we worked with the pharmacy on doing a placebo, and we were like, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's do a randomized controlled trial. You know, we'll be blinded. And I think that would make it very worthwhile. And, and we just had the idea, and 
started it. And, I, you know, I'm hopeful at least from an impact standpoint, it, it helps people improve their practice or maybe at least helps their patients improve their early knee recovery. I think that's great. I mean, you found esoteric literature <laughs> that opened up a whole new way to look at what could be potentially a great addition to the post-operative management. So tell us about your study design. Yes, we did a double-blinded, you know, randomized controlled trial. We powered ourselves, again, we wanted to look at outcomes. We powered ourselves for a 10-point difference with Coos Junior scores. And then everything, you know, we looked at VAST scores, motion, ECMOS. We kind of looked at all the other stuff, including, you know, on top of that. And we, you know, ended up with, we needed 40 patients to power ourselves for the six-week mark. Because I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, how far to follow this out. We could at least get patient satisfaction and some stuff out to three months. But just from a logistics standpoint, it's like, let's power ourselves for six weeks. Because that's kind of our natural when that visit happens. And, let, and let's see. So we did an RCT. We had research nurses that were able to, you know, administer all the, the uh, TXA. And then the part we really were adamant about is we needed to be able to really monitor the folks, right? So my fellowship trained joint surgeons and partners were really helpful in this. We did it at our surgery center, which is great because we have a little bit of inherent control rather than having to go through a hospital system. And then the patients, the hardest part, honestly, is I have quite a bit of referrals, and we do as a tertiary care center. We have a lot of people that don't live in town that drive in a couple hours to come see us. And so it was a little bit more challenging from the standpoint of, yeah, we booked a ton of knees in our surgery center, but they all didn't want to do physical therapy, you know, an hour and a half away at our center. So it was really those local patients that could do physical therapy where we could come down, check a hemoglobin, to where we could come down and measure their knee, you know, circumference and all that type of stuff. So it ended up, yeah, I thought... You know, as best we could, we made it fairly eloquent, and I thought, you know, worthwhile. That's wonderful. Tell us some of your findings. Yeah, so, you know, I think what we can say is that at two and six weeks, your recovery is better if you are taking oral, you know, extended oral TXA. So, you know, we, our Coos Junior scores were better at two and six weeks. Our VAS scores were better with statistical significance. And then at the six-week mark, I think one of the more empowering things, I thought at least, was that we had a statistically significant difference in terms of people not using a cane to walk, so independent ambulating patients. We saw up to 12 weeks, we saw trends towards improved outcome scores, but I don't think I was sensitive enough to really pick up a statistically significant difference. So I think if we had a bigger cohort, we probably could have picked that up at 12 weeks, but we had trends at least going up to 12 weeks. I think the other important keys to this is we didn't really pick up any difference in terms of our delta in our hemoglobin between preoperative and then post-op day number three. I think that's the one thing that we probably didn't account for true hidden blood loss just because we didn't really eloquently assess that. You know, we were basically just sending nurses to, you know, check hemoglobins post-op day three. So we didn't check it the day after. We didn't follow it out long term. That's probably why we didn't show a difference in blood loss compared to some of the international centers. And then the other big thing is we showed that it was safe. So I, I felt pretty empowered, especially that, that study out of the UK that was from their giant registry. Through multiple centers, they were able to show that even in high-risk patients, giving extended TXA was safe. From the complication you would worry right. about would be? Would be blood clot, right, VTE. The other thing that's actually commonly reported is seizures. So if you get an overdose of TXA, you know, the seizure threshold is lowered. So... You know, we didn't show any increase in seizures, and we didn't show any increase in blood clots. And we showed that patients did better at two and six weeks. So I felt from that standpoint, I think those are the conclusions that we can draw. And then as the study expands, hopefully, out of a pilot study, we can maybe start to pinpoint a difference at 12 weeks, and we can include those patients at higher risk to show that it's still safe in those folks. So extended TXA 
was defined as three days post-op for you and your protocol? So a, a dose, 1.95 grams orally after they walked the day of surgery, before they left the building, okay. and then a daily dose for three days after. Was there a reason for three days? So that w that's a good question. I don't have a perfect answer for that. I definitely wanted to dose the day of surgery because mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of, I thought after they get up and walk with therapy, they're probably bleeding a little bit more. So I wanted something that day. And then the, you know, we, we basically saw the patients between 48 to 72 hours for their first visit to kind of measure them. And that was their first therapy visit to where therapy was going to really work with them and crank on them and that type of thing. So that was the justification to carry it out to that, to get them through that first therapy visit at least the idea in my head was to kind of cover them through, you know, potentially any bleeding or inflammation after that first therapy mm -hmm. visit. So the day of surgery, you would receive one gram of IV TXA before surgery. Times two doses, so prior to incision and then at closure. One at closure. And, and then, then they then got the oral, oral afterwards. Right. So three doses the day of surgery. Correct. One the second day, one the third day. Correct. Okay. So do you, do you believe the difference was hidden blood loss, or do you think there's some other effect of TXA on swelling or an anti-inflammatory property. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I personally believe it's an anti-inflammatory effect. So the Chinese study by Wang, basically they looked at the 24 hour of, of extended TXA and they showed decreased like, you know, inflammatory markers, CRP, IL-6, IL-1, I think. And so they showed an anti-inflammatory effect. And then if you, again, you go into the literature and you look at like cardiovascular bypass surgery literature, where TXA is commonly used, the more TXA you give for that, the better the inflammatory markers are in the cardiovascular literature. So, so a little bit is good, a lot is better. Perhaps. But I do think there's a big anti-inflammatory effect. That's my, at least my personal belief, in addition to maybe some of the blood loss effects. Is there anyone you didn't apply the protocol to, any exclusion criteria? Yeah, so we excluded those patients at high risk for VTE, and those patients with epilepsy, and then patients on preoperative anticoagulants other than aspirin. And so that was our exclusion criteria for our study. Would those patients at least receive IV, or do you know, not give IV in those Correct. They either? got the, the standard dose that we did at the surgery center of a gram and a gram yeah. at the time of surgery. Just no oral in addition? Correct. Okay. So are you, are you doing this in practice now? Yes. So yeah. after the study completed, I currently do our protocol of I give my patients three days, the day of surgery and the three days after, uh, the oral TXA. And then I've now transitioned to including those patients on prior anticoagulants and those patients with a history of DVT. I've not included epileptics. Again, I don't think we're getting, at that dose level, we're not going to get into a toxicity level. I don't believe, at least, if you look at the pharmacokinetics. And I don't really see that many epileptics. And honestly, I don't know how many epileptics I'm really doing in my surgery center either. So that has kind of become my standard. They actually make a 10-day, like, blister pack that's prepackaged that they use again for patients with menorrhagia. So I think the next evolution, at least in our study, is to increase the numbers and to extend it to just from a convenient standpoint, give them a 10-day blister pack and say, you know, go for it and follow them out for three months. So that's kind of, at least in our expanding our pilot study, I think that's the next arm. Are you using steroids in your patients? So I do. I use steroids the day of surgery. If they're non-diabetic, I give them 80 of Kenalog in my injection, my periarticular injection, and then I give them 8 of Decadron. For diabetics, I give 4 of Decadron. You know, in theory, if, you know, they got an A1C less than 7, which is one of my criteria, they're not a brittle diabetic and can handle it. For the non-diabetic patients postoperatively, I give folks a dose pack to go home with. 
I didn't do that in the study mostly because I didn't have partners that would get on board with that. And again, I wanted to decrease the number of variables. I just wanted to kind of take a very basic multimodal protocol just to see, you know, maximize the effect of the TXA. That's why I asked, to see yeah. if there was a confounder or something. No, but in, in, other anti-inflammatory yeah, in my day-to-day practice outside of the study, I, I do use steroids. Did you have any logistic, logistical hurdles with pharmacy dispensing two pills at a time when they make packs of 10? No, so they, they, they have also the, the pills by themselves. So we worked with a pharmacy who made our placebo pills plus packaged our TXA pills. And again, we administered the pills to the patients and gave it to them the day of surgery. And then we sent the patients home with it to take it, you know, the, for the additional doses. So that really wasn't a big limitation. The big, you know, the limitations that I have now just in my general practice, you know, my practice, my knee practice now is they're kind of big to take and patients don't like taking the horse pills. And then, you know, how I think sometimes they'll do the automated instructions from the pharmacy and they'll say, take this for menorrhagia or for heavy menstrual cycles. And I'll have patients that'll show up and be like, do I really have to take the TXA? I had a hysterectomy 10 years ago. And I'm like, yes, you do. It's just the pharmacy. And maybe it's the way we order it. We screw it up, but I'm I'm going to at least blame the pharmacy for now on the instructions. No, it's, so it's, it's definitely applicable widely. And it's, it's a drug that's available readily at multiple pharmacies. And mm-hmm. the cost, as you mentioned, is significantly lower than the IV doses. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying to transition ourselves over to an oral dose. Yeah. So I think it's, if you look at the evolution, you know, in, in arthroplasty, like you think about the big things that have really changed the way we practice, right? Like highly cross-linked poly. I think TXA is like one of those things that has just really revolutionized the way we practice. And it's been one of those medicines that's been around forever. It's cost effective. And every time we try to throw something at it to be like, oh, it's not going to work or it's unsafe. It's like, no, it really is. I mean, it's, it's like safe, it's effective, it makes a difference. And so and it's been around forever. And so I, th- I think it's one of those drugs that just has really kind of revolutionized the way we practice. It's allowed us to do outpatient joint surgery. It's made it safer for our patients. So I'm hopeful we keep teasing stuff out and using it as an adjunct to maybe, you know, get further away from narcotics and to make it safer for our patients. Do you have your next study teed up? Do you know where you're going? Because I don't think that right now there's a whole lot of other people in this area. Yes. So we've got a meeting in the next, our research meetings once a month. So this month our our plan is to sit down and get the protocol ramped up for, you know, basically solidified for, again, a more of a 10-day extended dosing and also um, in a higher risk population, you know, include all of our patients regardless of risk. And the other thing that I wish I had done that was kind of the logistics nightmare was like looking at uh, morphine equivalent, you know, use of narcotics. So, you know, my PA told me the other week, she goes, you know, the thing that I've noticed the biggest difference lately, I was like, what? She goes, um, I don't refill narcotics anymore because I give patients 15 oxycodone after a knee. And she's like, I just don't really notice it. The refills aren't the same. And I was like, well, what do you think the difference is? She's like, honestly, the TXA, when we started, I haven't noticed I have to refill as much. And so I can't scientifically answer that question or validate that at the moment. But I'm hopeful that in the next iteration of this, I can maybe take that step to answer that question. Less swelling, less pain. Yeah, I mean, it's all about swelling control, yeah. I think, for knee arthroplasty at least. Yeah. Early on. Well, with that, we'll wrap things up here. Very much appreciate learning about your work, and thank you so much for sharing that, and congratulations on your award, and we look forward to hearing about your next project. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Again, Dr. Marcus Ford from Campbell Clinic at Tennessee. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, 
and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.